0: Okay, if you have Bibles with you, please open up to the Gospel of John, Chapter 8. Nadine and I were away last week, it's nice to be back home. I want to thank uh, Tom Schultz for pinch-hitting for me last week. I heard you did a great job. Um, I think, did we get to record that last week? I'm wondering, did we record last week's sermon? Could we? I'll find out today. If it's recorded, um, I'll have Tom's sermon up this afternoon, uh, as well as today. Last week? Awesome. Thank you. just got a call. grandmother's She just Yeah. Our good friend Lisa Taylor just got a phone call that it, grandmother was uh, in a nursing home and unresponsive, and so let's pray for her. She's in the hospital. So let's pray. Lord, we ask that you be with Lisa and just calm her heart, oh God, and that you get her uh, to the hospital safely. And, Lord, we, we pray for her grandmother. If it's time, if it's time, Lord, we ask that she have a, a peaceful transition from this realm to your realm, and she enter into the your loving embrace. Lord, we ask for the whole Taylor family, the extended family, that your mercy and grace would be on them. Lord, you said that you would send the comforter. Lord, send the Holy Spirit as the comforter for Lisa and our family right now. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. Thank you for letting me know My grandmother has been ill for a while, and so it's been challenging. Okay, uh, John chapter 8. Uh, sometimes as we go through the uh, Gospel of John... Um, I do almost a whole chapter at a time, or do large chunks at a time. Occasionally, I do a verse at a time. Today's going to be one of those days where I do a verse, one verse today. We'll look at John chapter 8, verse 12. And this is what it says. When Jesus spoke again to the people, he said, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Lord, I thank you for your word, for the truth and the power that's in your word. Lord, I pray that your word would have its full impact on us, that your light and your life would have its full impact on us. And as a result, Lord, make us to be more like Jesus. Amen? The language of light is used often in John's gospel. Um, we've, we've looked at some of it already as we've journeyed through Uh, the chapters, and there's more to come. Let me bring some of those verses to your attention. Early on, when we were looking at John chapter 1, the gospel writer wrote concerning Jesus, in him was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. Sounds a lot like today's verse. Down in verse 9 of chapter 1, He continues, he says, the true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. Our verse today, Jesus himself says about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. We'll see in John chapter 9 when we get there that Jesus says, while I am in the world, I am the light of the world. And further on in chapter 12, verse 46, Jesus says this. He says, I have come into the world as a light so that no one who believes in me should stay in darkness. Do you see a theme here? (laughs) Can you connect the dots? There's something about Jesus and life and light. We see once again that Jesus communicates to the people, to the crowd. And again, he uses metaphoric language. Jesus likes to use metaphoric language. In this text he's telling people that he's the light of the world. Now is he saying that he's the, the actual sun that is at the center of our solar system and then that meaning he is the light of the world? He's not talking about physics or science. He's talking about a, a metaphoric type of light. He's talking about illumination of the soul, enlightenment of the spirit. But this isn't the first time Jesus has used metaphoric language. Again, there's a theme throughout John's Gospel. Let me remind you of a few of them. In John chapter 4, Jesus is speaking to the Samaritan woman at the well. And he tells her, everyone who drinks this water will never be thirsty again. I'm sorry, let me say that again. Everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. Referring to the water at the well. But everyone who drinks the water I give them, will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water, welling up to eternal life. Again, metaphoric language. In John chapter 6, we looked at recently, Jesus is talking to the, to the hungry crowd that he fed the day before. And at verse 35, he tells them, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry. Whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. In the last chapter we looked at, John chapter 7, Jesus boldly proclaims. He says, let anyone who is thirsty come to me and drink. Whoever believes in me, as the scripture has said, rivers of living water will flow from within them. And here we see Jesus making another metaphoric statement. John chapter 8, verse 12, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. It's apparent. It's really clear. You read through the Gospels. Just read the red. Read the words of Jesus and you can see that he loves to speak metaphorically. The language of God is a parabolic language. It's the language of simile and of symbolism. It's the language of metaphor and analogy. It's one of the reasons that personally I'm such a big fan of this whole idea of dream interpretation. Dreams are metaphoric. They're there are pictures, there are images in our, in our mind that need to be interpreted. They need to be deciphered. And not only is it just fun to interpret dreams so that there's understanding, it's, it's like a mystery, a puzzle that has to be solved. Anybody who has a dream, they're like, I wonder what that meant. But one of the things I love most about the journey I've been on for a decade now of studying, studying dream interpretation, biblical dream interpretation, is it makes me think metaphorically. It helps me to comprehend simile and analogy. It helps me understand the language of God. I've said before that if God only spoke German, if we discovered that was the only language he spoke, I would want to be the world's foremost authority on German. I'd want to speak German. I'd want to write German. I want to be able to converse fluidly. I want to understand it when it's spoken to me. Well, I've discovered on my journey, and I think Scripture bears it out, God speaks metaphorically. I want to learn to speak the language of metaphor. Personally, it's helped me in my own intimate relationship with God. It it has helped the lines of communication to be stronger, to be healthier. And like in any other relationship, if there's healthy communication, there's a healthy relationship. It's clear as we read the scripture account that there are people who misunderstood Jesus. Back in chapter 7 when he told them, unless you eat my body and drink my blood, you have no part in me, they missed the point that he was speaking metaphorically and they all went away. They all left him. It's to our advantage as modern day followers of the Lord Jesus Christ to understand when he's speaking parabolically, when he's speaking metaphorically to us. So, the scriptures, the gospels especially, make it clear that God speaks the language of word pictures. Often we call them parables. Why is this? I don't know, but it could be that a picture's worth a thousand words. You can, you can communicate so much more in one brief image than you can pages and pages and pages of dialogue. Either way, I want to understand the ways that God communicates. So, with that in mind, let's Let's look at a few key words in this text. The word light. Light from the Greek uh, phos, P-H-O-S, meaning light or phos, meaning light or fire, as in a star or a torch or a lamp. Kind of where we get our, at least part of where we get our term phosphorus from, speaking about light. The word world here in this text is from the Greek cosmos and it means the world or the universe. And the word life here, very interesting word it's Zoe and its meaning is life that is real and genuine, genuine a life that is is both active and vigorous. you know it's the very same word for life that Jesus uses later on in the gospel uh, John chapter 10 verse 10 where its where Jesus says a thief comes only to steal to kill and to destroy. I have come that they may have life, that they may have zoe, life, and have it to the full. Now strong concordance defines that word as a state of one who is possessed by vitality or is um, animated. Vine's uh, expository dictionary goes on to add life that is a- that life in the absolute sense. Life as God has it. That's the kind of life that he he offers us. That's the light that he's talking about in John chapter 12. It's not just that he comes to bring us a life, he comes to bring us his life. That's amazing. I don't know about you, I could use some more of that life. I have days where I could use a lot more of that life. This is a great promise. So in other words, Jesus is saying that he is the life giving light to all of known creation. And not only that, it's also a darkness annihilating light that he offers us. It reminds me of the beginning of our study back in John chapter 1 when the gospel writer pens this in verse 4. He says, in him was life, Zoe. And that, and that Zoe life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness and the darkness does not overcome it. Guys, that's good news. That's good. We live in the world. There's darkness around us. Sometimes it lives in the house with us, but there's a light in him. There's a a life from him that's greater than any darkness that's around us, any darkness that we have to contend with. It overcomes it. Scripture says so. It also reminds me of, when you read John chapter 1, you can't help but think of Genesis chapter 1. The first five verses there say, In the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep. And the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. And God said, Let there be light. And there was light. God saw that the darkness was good, and he separated the light from the darkness. He called the light day, and the darkness he called night. And there was evening, and there was morning the first day. God said, let there be light. And out of nothing, he created everything. God spoke the word. He spoke the word and created both light and life. The word, the light, is Jesus. He's both, he's one and the same. He is the source of life, full, full free and abundant. This is good news. This is very good news. Because this ultimate source of light and of life loves us. Scripture says lavishly with a great love. Some years ago, I was part of a a team of about 50 people who went out to uh, the Nevada desert and participated in a in an outreach uh, to the people at Burning Man. Truly, it was our desire to be light in darkness. We were very much so going into a very spiritually dark place to be light to them. And we wanted to minister to them spiritually, and we wanted to minister to them practically. We're out in the desert, in the the heat of the summer. Remember that very first year we went, we brought out 20,000 bottles of water. Could you love people any more practically who are in the desert than to hand them a bottle of water? That's pretty practical, right? And so we gave them water, and they were appreciative of it, and then we offered light to their soul. And they'd come in, and we would do this dream interpretation stuff. Or as I've told you before, we would, we'd give them prophetic words, but we would, we'd use language that they understood. Sometimes we'd call it a life reading. Sometimes we'd use the terminology of spiritual cleansing. We had a whole menu board of options that they would come. We didn't care exactly what the words were. We just wanted to minister life to them. And they seemed very happy to receive it. They would wait online. They'd sit and wait for an hour for one of our teams to open up so we can minister to them. So I just want to tell you a story about the light of God. So this one guy comes into our tent. And it's pretty wild. It's pretty funky out there. And they're, they're all wearing costumes and all dressed up and everything. And it's really like a wild, crazy party at night. But in the daytime, a little bit different, a little bit more subdued. And it's, Most of the people who come in, spiritually, they're seeking. They're curious. They're... They're pretty open. They're open to about just about anything, but they're open. <laughs> and so I'm leading this one team, and I've got two other people working with me. And this, and this young man comes in, probably in his 20s, big guy, handsome. And he tells us this story. He, uh, he sits down, and he says, look, he said, a few years ago I did LSD. He says, and when I did LSD, he said, something came into me. He said, I don't know what it is, but I can't get rid of it. He says, matter of fact, it's in my eyes. And as I look at you guys now, I have to look through it to see you. He says, Can you get this thing out of me? <laughs> you know, not the kind of stuff you usually you know hear at church, right? It's a little bit different. And so I looked at him, I said, Well, yeah, I think we can help you with that. I said, but listen. I said, my understanding of how these things work is that if you go back to doing LSD again, I said, not only will this thing come back, he'll probably bring about seven of his friends with him. And it's going to be worse for you than when you start. I said, so I really want you to think about this. You know, if you really want this, I don't want to leave you in worse shape. I want you to be in good shape when we're done here. And he truly pondered it. He, he weighed the options. We discussed it for a while. And he was like, I've had this thing a long time. I, I really want this out of me. I said, like, OK, we can help you. And so he sits there and we asked if we could touch him because sometimes the encounter is more effective when we actually touch. He's like, yeah, sure, go ahead. And so a couple of my team members, they put their hands just lightly on his shoulder, and he kind of threw his head back like this. He's sitting in a chair, he's leaning back, he's got his head all the way back. And I, just, I never touched him with my hands, I just kind of put my hands like this above his eyeballs as his head was laying back. And uh, again, using non-religious language, we prayed for him for the next, I don't know, five or seven minutes. It could have gone a little bit longer, I don't remember exactly. And we stopped when we kind of finished, felt like we were done. You've prayed for people before. You can have that feeling, right? I think I should pray a little bit longer. Nope, I think we're finished with this session right now. And you stop praying. Well, that was kind of it with him, too. We, we prayed for a while, and it felt like something happened. And, and when we were done, we sat back down. And we said, well, how are you doing? And he opens his eyes. He said, he said, that was amazing. I said, well, is that thing still there? He said, no, it's gone. I said, oh, that's awesome. That's really, really good. And the, he said, I do have a question for you. I said, Well, what's that? He says, which one of you was shining that bright flashlight into my eyes? I'm like, bright flashlight. Yeah, he said, I know. He says, he says, so you kept putting it from like one eyeball to the other. It was really bright light. I was like, none of us had a none of us had a flashlight. Come on, one of you guys had a flashlight. I was like, no, I'm sorry. I said, that's just the, the power of the, the spirit of light that uh, that we carry with us today. He said, that was amazing. He thought so much so was this light of Jesus present when we ministered to him in this very dark place that he thought that we actually had a, like a mag light or some really bright flashlight shining into his eyes. We, so we had a really good conversation about it. I could tell speaking to him that somewhere down the road on his spiritual journey that he was going to encounter this great light. And I told him, remember this day, remember this day. It was an awesome encounter. There was another guy, somewhat similar. He came in, and, and um, I think he was Hindu. He kind of had a had dark uh, skin, uh, deep dark tan like he was from India. You could tell by his accent. He had a white turban around his head and uh, kind of a loincloth. Loin and, and so we prayed for him for a while, and he, he too was wide open. And we had an interesting discussion afterwards. He says, you know... I've had lots of spiritual experiences. I says, really? He says, yes. He says, and in my experiences, he says, I've seen all different kind of lights. I said, have you? He says, yes. He says, but all the lights I've seen, he says, I've never seen a light as bright as the light that you guys have. I says, oh, isn't that interesting? And I told him, I said, somewhere down the road, on your spiritual journey, you're going to encounter this bright light again. I said, when you do, remember this day. Remember this day. It's powerful. Just, just the power of Jesus' life. I told him that it was the light of life. And that this light loved him like no other, no other light he'd ever experienced. I found it fascinating. Fascinating. That even the unbelievers can tell the difference between light and darkness. They can tell the difference between dim light and bright light. He was so moved by the encounter that we had. He said, he said, I love the atmosphere in your tent. We had this huge army tent. Maybe about as long as this room. Not quite as wide, but about as long. He said, he said do you mind if I just lay on the floor and sleep here for a while? <laughs> I was like, dude, go ahead. He just curled up a little ball. He stayed there for, I don't know, hours, three or four hours. He just loved the atmosphere that came from the presence of God. Because he got to experience the Lord. As light, in a very, for him, in a very real, very practical, very tangible way. I don't know. My experience has been the only people who can't seem to see this light of Jesus is religious people. Even people of, <laughs> right? The skies of Pharisees have given Jesus all kind of trouble at the feast of tabernacles, which is the setting for this whole event. But the people who are in darkness, boy, they recognize the light. Anyway. Some stories about light. Let's go back to the, the Feast of Tabernacles. Remember, all of this, John chapter 8, all of this is taking place in the temple courts during the Feast of Tabernacles. Now, light was an important symbol in the Feast of Tabernacles. Every, every night, there would be this lamp lighting ceremony that took place in the temple courts. Large lamps were set up, and the light filled the courtyard. Jameson, Fawcett, and Brown. A commentary offers this description. They say, two colossal golden lampstands on which hung a multitude of lamps lighted after the evening sacrifice, diffusing the brilliancy it is said over all the city. Around these the people danced with great rejoicing. There was, was a serious party going on after the, after the lights were lit. I don't know, that speaks to me. It was a celebration. They were commemorating the exodus from Egypt their salvation and their and their deliverance from slavery into freedom now during the feast many of the different emblems that were used in the ceremonies were symbolic of the pillar of fire that gave light to Israel uh, during their escape uh, from pharaoh could it be i wonder could it be that jesus is making his great i am the light of the world statement underneath one of these You know, very same colossal, golden lampstands. Could that have been the inspiration in the moment for the statement? I don't know. I think it could have worked that way. So in the setting of the festival, which celebrates Israel's uh, deliverance, Jesus is boldly proclaiming that he is the divine presence, the light of life that saves humanity from their bondage and darkness. Except this time, It's not deliverance for the Jews only. It's not just for the Jews from Egypt, but to deliver the whole world from the slavery of sin. Jesus loves the whole world. It says that he's the light of the world, right? Now, again, there's a theme here in John's Gospel which just speaks repeatedly about Jesus' mission, not just to the Jews, not just to the Samaritans, not just to Gentiles, but to the whole world. John chapter 129. This is John the Baptist. It says, the next day John, John the Baptist, saw Jesus coming toward him and said this, look, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. John three sixteen, Jesus, and 17, Jesus himself says, for God so loved the world, he loved the world, that he gave his one and only son that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. God did not send his son into the world to condemn the world, but to save the world through him. Wow. That sounds like good news to me. John chapter 6. This is what Jesus said. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. Whoever eats this bread will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of what? For the life of the world. You ever read scripture and some portions of it just kind of blow past your mind and you don't really pay attention to it, then he's repeatedly speaking about his heart for for all of creation. Not just for specialized people groups, not just for white European Christians, not just for Westerners, right? It's for everybody, for the whole world. And then here in John chapter 8, I am the light of what? The world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Our Jesus is amazing. He says that he takes away the world's sin. That he loves and that he doesn't condemn the, the world. That he himself is the bread that gives life to the world. And he is its light. It's very light of life. Again, this is really good news. This is very good news for us. And it says that we would never walk in darkness if we follow him. Israel followed the presence of the Lord in the pillar of fire as they escaped Egypt and journeyed toward the promised land. Exodus 1320 to 22 describes it this way. After leaving Succoth, they camped at Etham on the edge of the desert. By day, the Lord went ahead of them in a pillar of cloud to guide them on their way and by night in a pillar of fire to give them light so that they could travel by day or night. Verse 22, neither the pillar of cloud by day nor the pillar of fire by night left its place in front of the people. Now Jesus is stating that those who follow him will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life, just like those who followed the pillar of fire, those who followed its illumination, just like they were led. Jesus is saying, now I will lead. So, what does this mean for us? The fact that Jesus is the light of the world. What does that mean for you? What does that mean for me? What, as I like to say, is our Monday morning takeaway? Well, where are you today? Are you in a dark place? I know what it's like to be in a dark place. <laughs> Every once in a while, these, I, t- I have what I tell Nadine is a dark day. I can't always put a finger on exactly why. Sometimes people refer to it as waking up on the wrong side of the bed. I mean, there are some days I wake up and I am just filled with faith. I can I'm, I recognize the goodness of God in my life, and it's wonderful. And then there are those other days. I have some of those other days. How about you? Are you in darkness? Are you in a dark place right now? Do you need the light that Jesus describes here? Do you need the life that comes with that light? My encouragement to you, as I try to encourage myself, if it's at all possible, go to Jesus. Go to him. I know sometimes it's our tendency, if we feel like we're in a dark place, that we actually want to run from him, but we don't have to. His arms are open to us on our darkest day, in our worst day. I encourage you, go to him. Jesus, go to him the word, the light, because he alone, he is special, is the source of life. If you can't go to him on your own, if you can't see this light for yourself, then hey, let's go together. I'll go with you. You have friends here who love you. They know what it's like to be in dark places. They'll go with you. They'll help you find the light together. And we can do that because Well, we've been in dark places, and we know how to get out of them. We know how to find the light. So if you're in a dark place today, my encouragement to you is to go to Jesus. If you can't get there by yourself, please ask one of your friends. Say it as plainly as this, I'm in a dark place and I can't get out of it. Very much, Charlottetown Community Church wants to be just that, a community where we can help one another out of darkness and celebrate with one another in the light maybe you're sitting here today and you're thinking hey I'm doing okay I don't feel like I'm in a dark place but you got a friend or a family member or a loved one and you can because you know them because you love them you you can look at them and see that they're in a dark place now let me just offer one more scripture verse The, the very same one who called himself the light of the world also said of us in Matthew chapter 5, verses 14 and 15, he says, You are the light of the world. He's talking about you. He's talking about me. A town built on a hill cannot be hidden. Neither do people light a lamp and put it under a bowl. Instead, they put it on its stand. And it gives light to everyone in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before men, that they may see your good deeds and glorify your father in heaven. The same one who's been light for us is light in us. And it's a light that we can carry. And not only is it a light that we can carry, it's a light that we can share. So much so that we can give this light away to other people. And when we do, our light doesn't diminish. It simply multiplies. Let me close by telling you a story about sharing light. Now I'm the oldest of of my parents four children. And when my parents got married, they had three kids right away. Boom, boom, boom. There's two years and 11 months between me and my two brothers. My poor mother was pregnant for like three straight years. you know. And then there was a big, long break of about nine years, and she became pregnant with my sister. And um, I'm just old enough now to know I'm not really happy about this. It's like mom's busy enough with three of us, and there's a fourth baby on the way, and I'm thinking uh, the only way that... She'll be able to love this new baby. if she's got to take a little bit of love away from us, a little bit of love away from my father and my two brothers, and especially a little bit away from me. And so she has enough love to give to the new baby. I'm nine years old. Okay, This is how I'm thinking. And so in the house, the new baby has this beautiful new room all set up. And it's painted white and different pastel colors. And everything's getting ready for the new baby to come. There's some toys around. And so in order to register my displeasure with the arrival of this new child, I took a pen. And I wrote some not very nice words on one of the baby's toys, right? Something blankety-blank new baby, something like that. I did. I'm sorry, but I did it. I love my sister now. I was too happy. I was too happy back then. And so my mother just wised me on years. She figured out that I was the one who did it. So she takes, she takes me aside and shows me the toy. She said, "So, um, so did you write this? And you know, there are times in life as a little kid, when you're caught, you're just caught. You might as well just own up to the fact that, yeah, I did it. I'm not even sure my two other siblings, siblings could write. I not that I wrote that well. I knew my youngest brother couldn't have written it, but yeah, I was caught. I was, I was absolutely done. And I uh, said, so yeah... I wrote it. And so she wanted to know, well, why did you write this about the new baby? And so as best as I could, I explained to her what I just said. Well, this new baby's coming, and of course you have to love this new baby, and you're going to have to take love away from me to love the new baby. And I'm not, I'm not really happy with this whole new deal. And this is what she did. I will never forget this. My mother loved uh, candles, and so there, was, there were two candles on the table. One candle was lit, one wasn't. She says, you see this candle that's lit? I says, yeah. She said, yeah. So, well, this is my love. She says, and this is the love that I have for you, and I have for Daddy, and I have for, for your brothers, Robin and Ricky. That's the love I have for them. I said, that's awesome. And So she picks up that candle, and she lights the new candle, the, the unlit candle. She says, and now this is the love I have for your sister. I said, oh, or the new baby. I'm not sure if we knew it was going to be a girl. This is the, the love I have for the new baby. She said, did the, did the first candle lose any of its fire? Did it lose any of its light? I said, no. I said, and I said, she said, is the, the new candle, is it lit? I says, yeah. I said, it looks just the same. She says, that's right. She said, there's always more than enough love. She says, don't worry. She said, that's how God does it. When there are no, new people you need to love, there'll always be enough light. There'll always be enough fire for the love to be there. And you know what? I mean, I thought that was brilliant. It has stayed with me 45 years. I, I haven't forgotten that story. I could, in my mind's eye, I could close my eyes. I could still see us sitting on the couch together when she has these two candles on the coffee table. That's what it's like with Jesus. That's what it's like with the light of the world who lives within us. He gives us light. And when we go to share that light with another person, a friend, a loved one, a family member who's in darkness, the light that's in us, in the way that we're the light of the world, the same way he's the light of the world, it can light that candle and the light can be on them too. Scripture says that a bruised reed he will not break, a smoldering wick He'll not snuff out. Our God is so good. There's always, there's always more than enough of his light, of his life, of his love to go around. Always. So thanks for that, Mom. Let's pray. Oh, God. Lord, some of us are here today. We're in a dark place. We don't like it. We've even been here before. We really like not to be here. Jesus, would you come, would you be that light to the world for us today, for us personally, us individually? Would you be that light of life in our world today? Lord, some of us, we have loved ones, we have friends, family members, and we're concerned about them. It seems like they're in a dark place. We ask you, Lord, would you go and be light and life for them? And show us, Lord, just like Mom lit one candle with another, show us how we can be light for them. That the light that's in us, that you put in us, as the light of the world, show us, O oh God, how our light can shine in the darkness. And by so doing, bring you glory. Lord, I pray that you use us today to help another whose wick might be smoldering to be enlightened again, to be set aflame, to have light shine in their darkness. Do that, Lord. Make it so for us. Lord, I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. I love you guys. Have a wonderful Father's Day, and we'll see you during the week.